Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We've been, as I mentioned earlier, we're in a series on Multiply called Multiply, learning about discipleship, taking a look, a practical, very practical look at learning what it means to be a disciple that makes other disciples. Amen? And how many of you, God, has just been stirring in you this discipleship? through over the past year reading. Anybody? Just one or two? Okay. That's great. <laughs> Maybe we'll stay on this series a little longer and we'll just see. We'll give you a long, a long time to percolate. How many of you, God has been stirring in you and opening your eyes to discipleship as we've been in this series? It's, it's been interesting as a pastor, let me just share, and, and watching individuals that um, have been in, even in church for a long time begin to grasp new understanding about discipleship. And uh, I want to encourage you just to, to dive in. If you haven't yet purchased the book and you haven't been following along with the podcast or teaching or whatever, I want to encourage you to do so. Get in, uh, dive into this. It's awesome to see uh, and take a look at what the Bible says about discipleship. So today we're going to continue on and uh, take a look at the heart of the disciple maker, taking a look at the motives of our heart, what motivates us, the heart of a disciple maker. Last, the first uh, message in the series, we took a look at the what is a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is what? Someone who is a lifelong learner and follower. Y'all out there this morning. And so, disciple is a lifelong follower, lifelong learner. We are called to be pilgrims, not tourists. God called us on a journey. We have a destination. There's a path that we're following. We're not just along for the entertainment. We're not just along uh, for, for the ride that we can easily check out on. A pilgrim is someone who is headed to a particular destination. They have a path. They have a journey that's set before them. And so we are, we are on a path, a progress. We're learning. We are growing. We're followers. We're committed. And then last week, we took a look at the command to make disciples. What are the components of discipleship? How do we make disciples? The discipleship making, disciple making is a commitment to lifelong teaching, that this is an ongoing process. We don't just make a disciple and then check out, or we don't hit retirement age in the church, that we're constantly making disciples. Matter of fact, Paul exhorted in, in the letter of Titus that, that we, as you grow older, that you are to exhort and encourage the younger. Amen. That's a good word to everyone who feels older in the house. You've, you're not finished yet. If you, if you feel like you're older, you're not finished. And to those of us who are younger, who feel young at heart, we, we are not finished receiving. We continue to learn and grow and to be teachable in the Lord. So it's a lifelong journey of being te teachable, but it but includes these elements of being faithful, that there is faithfulness. Paul told Timothy, find faithful men who will teach others also. So this element of faithfulness and fruitfulness. Jesus said in John 15 that unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. There's no fruitfulness in your life unless you're abiding in Christ. 
And then there's this element of continually sending out, raising up and sending out people into disciple making, that you're just making disciples who are making other disciples. And then today, as I said, we're going to take a look at what is the heart, the motives of a disciple maker. I want you to consider a couple things uh, as we go into this. Number one, what motivates you to make disciples? What is the motivation of your heart to make disciples? Is it recognition? Is it power? Is it, is it the title that comes, I'm a disciple maker? And you can wear the badge in church that says that you're the disciple maker. You know, what, what is the motivation of your heart? Is it, is it a sense of fulfillment that you need to gain fulfillment by discipling someone else? Secondly, describe your love. Not only what motivates you to make disciples, but describe your love for those that God has placed in your life. What is the love of God in your heart? How is it overflowing towards those that God has placed in your life? And then thirdly, how would you describe your life as being transformed by God over the past three months? Is this a living, active relationship that you have with the Lord? Is he changing you? Is he transforming you? Can you point to things in your life over the past three months that God is actively doing in your life where you're yielding to him and he's changing you? So we're talking about motivation, the motives of our heart. What makes the heart of a disciple maker? I ran across this letter. I thought I would share it with you. It was a dad's letter to his daughter's fiance. My daughter's never getting married, so I don't have to worry about writing any of these. <clears throat> but but it's, it's comical nonetheless. Dear Marty, I have been unable to sleep since I broke off your engagement to my daughter. Will you please forgive and forget I was much too sensitive about your mohawk haircut, your tattoos, your pierced nose. I now realize motorcycles aren't really that dangerous, and I really should not have reacted that way to the fact that you have never held a job. I'm, I am also very sure that some other very nice people live under the bridge in the part two. Sure, my daughter is only 18 and wants to marry you instead of going to Harvard on a full scholarship. After all, you can't learn everything about life from books. I sometimes forget how backward I can be. I was wrong. I was a fool. I have now come to my senses, and you have my full blessing to marry my daughter. Sincerely, your future father-in-law. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> the motives of our heart. So today, I want to take a look at what it means to engage in authentic. Everybody say Authentic authentic ministry. In Matthew chapter 6, where we're going to go, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in, in the secret place, and your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. I just want to take a look at this. You know, we, we equate this to prayer. You know, immediately we see that Jesus is talking about prayer. But he approaches prayer, giving, and ministry all in the same way. As a matter of fact, he says, when you pray, pray, or when you give, do this. And then he says, go and make disciples. So there's this same approach 
to, to ministry, to praying, to giving, to every activity that we do as believers, Jesus has this same approach. It's, the problem is not that we do things in public. We're going to pray in public. Ministry is done in public. Giving is done in public. So the issue that Jesus is addressing here is not what is done in public or not public. The issue is that what they were doing was done in public with the desire to be seen. It was the desire to be noticed. It was the desire to be seen by others. Hypocrites are those who pretend in public to be something they are not in private. And so authentic discipleship, authentic ministry begins in private. What takes place in private overflows in the public. In Matthew chapter 15, in verses 8 and 9, Jesus said, These people draw near to me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but their what? Their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They are teaching commandments that they themselves don't even live. And so Jesus challenges us that what we do in our private affects what we do and how we do it in our public life. Private devotion brings God's public promotion. If you are living privately, committed, devoted to the Lord, living out your life in, in private as you should, reading the word, worshiping, prayer life. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? What you do in your private life will manifest in your public life. Think about Joseph, for example. For 13 years, he was privately in the prison. Here was a man that, that God promised to make him a ruler. He got excited about it. He opened up his mouth to his brothers. What did they do? They sold him into slavery, told his dad the lie. He, he finally gets to Potiphar's house, and what happens? Potiphar's wife lies about him, so he's been betrayed. He's been lied about. He's been broken, destroyed. He's, he's all... Uh, in the prison, he's, he's broken, and all of, this, uh, all of the life circumstances are weighing down on him. But God, in private, God promoted him publicly in his time. Then there's David. David was running from Saul, running for his life. He had to deal with his son who was trying to take over his kingdom. And God exalted David in due time. John the Baptist. What was Jesus' comment about John the Baptist? Here the, here's a man that there was no other greater prophet ever. That's a pretty big title to be bestowed upon you by Jesus. And here John the Baptist is. He didn't have a church, of a mega church. He wasn't having millions attend his, his open air crusades. There wasn't, there wasn't a tent meeting happening, attract, attracting the crowds. The media wasn't coming out, capturing him and, and, and doing all the public promotion for him. No, there, here was a man who was preaching on the muddy banks of the Jordan River, a message of repentance from dead works. This was a message that they had not heard for 400 years. There had been silence. And here comes on the scene a man who's preaching repentance from dead works and that the Messiah is coming. That wasn't a message they wanted to hear, but Christ raised him up. This man was, was, a, was a prophet preparing the way, the Bible says, of Christ in the wilderness. Effective discipleship begins with our effective prayer life. In our private time, how's your prayer life? You cannot represent Christ and his word to others if it's not alive in you. 
Ministry doesn't happen, Jesus said it here, doesn't happen from vain repetitions. Have you ever met with someone or, or, or ever had a Christian in your life, you were going through a tough season, and they just gave you the Bible answer, the religious answer, and you're like, great, thanks. Vain repetition. I heard it before, so I'll repeat it to somebody else, and there's no life in it. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Vain repetitions are not how we do ministry. How do you have the living Word of God active on the inside of you? You have to be a person of prayer. You have to be in the place of His presence so that the Word of God is active and living on the inside of you. That is only how you can give the Word of God that is active and living and not vain repetitions. In James chapter 5 and verse 16... It says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. The, the picture, the image that's given there, it, it's much like if you have a lamp, a, a, a lamp sitting on your dresser or nightstand or something, and you want the light on, what do you have to do? You got to turn the switch. And how does the power get from the wall to the lamp? By the cord. The illustration that James is giving here in the original language is that the, the prayer life of the believer is what makes the power available to him or her. It is the cord that is connected to the wall. It's the cord that's connected to Christ, our power source. And then it connects us to our purpose, to be a light in a dark world. If you want the power of God flowing into your light bulb, you've got to be a person of prayer. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. It makes much power available. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is living and powerful. It's active. It's sharper. And so we don't just repeat vain repetitions as we disciple people. We don't just give them pat answers. We don't just uh, talk to people and give them vanity or pride. But we, we understand. We hear. We listen. We understand where they're at. And we allow the word of God to rise up on the inside of us. We point them to Christ. We give them scripture. Authentic ministry begins with what we do in our private life. I've talked about it before, but you know, a lot of times we say, well, I don't, I don't know what, what word to share with someone. You know, do I have a thus says the Lord for someone today? You know, we, we get these ideas that, that we have to have the King James Version of the, Lord, the word of the Lord for, for someone today. Thus saith God, you must do this and thus and so, and then the Lord will blesseth thee. I didn't know God spoke in King James English, one. And two, the word of God, the scripture is profound in and of itself. And so in the morning when you're doing your devotions or you're driving to work and you're meditating and singing your worship songs or on your way to school and you, you're singing the songs that we sing in worship service time together and, and, and you're meditating on scripture, you're meditating on God. Lord, I thank you for your word. And all of a sudden, that the word of God, something that you've heard from Scripture, you've read, or something from your devotion, is stirring on the inside of you. God, this could be a word for somebody I encountered today. This is ministering to me, but maybe it, it could minister to someone else. It's a seed that's producing fruit in my life. Maybe I could share that fruit with someone else. 
And then you begin to share the word of the Lord with someone else. Hey, this is just what God's been speaking to me today. Maybe it's a word of encouragement for you. And you begin to share with them the word of God. And it impacts them. It changes them. The word of God will not return void. You're sharing with them the active, living word of God. And who knows, while you begin to share that word, the the Holy Spirit, just like he said to Jeremiah, I've placed my words in your mouth, while you begin to share that word, the Holy Spirit just might begin to speak to you and give you greater insight and greater revelation for that person and how that word specifically applies to them. And all of a sudden, it's not just a scripture on a page or something that you've been meditating on, it now applies and ministers, ministers to them in their situation. Amen? Authentic ministry, number two, authentic ministry is motivated by a loving relationship, not lifeless routines and rituals. Authentic ministry is motivated by a loving relationship, not by routines and rituals. Jesus addressed this here about vain repetitions, routines, rituals, going out on the corner to be seen. He addresses all of this. When you find yourself in a place where you maybe have lost your first love. Maybe your passion's grown cold. Maybe today you're, you're here and you're, you're like the Laodicean church and your, your passion has grown cold. You've been lukewarm and, and you're becoming spit up in the mouth of Jesus. Hello, God's calling. Maybe, maybe the Lord is, is challenging you today on, on the status of your heart. Maybe you have forgotten where God has brought you from. Remember your purpose. Remember why you were born. Remember why you were created. Isn't that what Jesus said to the Ephesian church in, in Revelation? Uh, you've done great things. You've got all the works done. We've talked about this. You've got all the works. You've done great things. But I hold this against you. You've lost your what? You've lost your first love. And he said to them, repent and do your first works over. Remember your purpose. Remember the day, church of Ephesus, remember the day when you heard John the Baptist and his message. Remember that day where you were baptized. Remember Acts 19. Remember where you were baptized into repentance according to John's message. Do you remember that day, church of Ephesus? Church of Ephesus, do you remember that day when Paul came to to Ephesus and he asked you, had you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit since you believed? Do you remember that day when he laid hands on you and you received and you began to speak in tongues and you began to worship and you began to prophesy? Do you remember that day? Go back to your first love. Go back to your first love. Do those things over again. Remember your purpose. In other words, fall in love with me again. Fall in love with me again. 1 Corinthians 13. We quote this often and we talk about it often, but but how true it is. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Motivated by a heart of love, love towards God and a love towards others. How is your love today? How's your, how's your koinonia, the partnership 
Greek word, that partnership with one another. How is that love relationship happening? Are you partnered together? Are you loving together? Are you loving others as Christ loved others? Do you have compassion upon the lost and the hurting and the broken? Do you have compassion upon those around you? Or do you sit in criticisms and judgments of others? Do you gossip about others? Do you lie? All of those, do you slander? All of those things, are you given easily to wrath and to anger? All of those things, where measure your love today. Repent and do your first works over. Repent and return to your first love. Rituals, Jesus is talking here about vain repetitions and rituals. Rituals are just formulas. They're attempts to conjure up yesterday's anointing that leave you powerless today. Yes, it may have worked. Yeah, that word may have worked. Yes, that word may have worked before. But what is God saying today? The word of God is active. It's living. What is God speaking to you and I today? Amen? The expression of your heart is displayed in the fruit of your actions. The expression of your heart is displayed in the fruit of your actions. Oh yeah, I love you. But do you take the time to sit with them and to hear their story and to walk through life with them? Or is it just another appointment on your agenda for the day? Is it just so that you can say, I'm talking about motivations of the heart. Do you meet with others and disciple others for the purpose of enriching them and and pouring out what God has done in your life to see them edified and built up? Or is it just another uh, check on the checkbox or something that you can wear the badge or get a star on your Sunday school chart from your Sunday school teacher that you brought someone to children's church? Is anybody, it's getting quiet in here. The religious leaders loved to pray that others could see them not praying out of love so that others could see. They were all about praying, loving to be seen, loving to get others' attention, loving to get the fulfillment that comes. It was all about them, all about me, all about them. Did you see what I did? Did you see the contribution that I made? Well, why didn't they recognize me as the volunteer of the month? Well, why didn't Pastor shake my hand today? He didn't smile at me. Mandy, she just walked right by me and didn't say a word to me today. Pastor didn't have coffee with me. By the way, you don't want to have coffee with me. I'm, I'm actually a very shy person, and having conversations, I know that's hard to believe, but having conversations with me can be very awkward. I have to think, I really have to think of things to say. And then once I meet with you, you're on my radar, because I've met with you, and so now the Lord has Holy Ghost crosshairs on you, and, I, and I'm constantly praying for you and thinking about you and what the Lord's saying and doing, and then you all of a sudden, if you're on my radar, that means you're on our staff's radar, If you're on our staff's radar, that means you're going to be discipled, right? So you don't want to have coffee with me. You'd rather keep on sinning, I promise. Just joking. Not really. (laughs) But in all seriousness... Why, why do you do what you do, the motivation of your heart? Is it out of love? 
You know, you, you know, I joke about being on my on my the crosshairs, but but really, it's it's a motivation of love. I want to see you walk in all that God has for you. Yeah. I don't want to see you. If you tell me God, guess what? If you tell me God has has given you a word or told you to do something or whatever, you better believe I'm going to hold you to that. I'm not going to let you just wiggle out of that thing. If you tell me that God told you to do something, it is on my head as your pastor. I'm going to stand before God one day, and he's going to ask me, what did you do with regards to what they told you? You are a watchman. What are you doing? Are you standing in the gap? So I'm going to give an account to that. So of course I'm going to be aware of those things. And you should too. And you should too. And so the motivation of our heart, we're motivated out of love. It's a loving relationship, loving God, loving others. And number three, authentic ministry is evaluated by God. How many times do we allow others to define our success in ministering to others? Now, this can go a lot of ways. One of the ways that we do this oftentimes is by saying or listening to those who would judge and criticize us for everything we say or do or don't do. I, can I just speak from experience here on this? Listening to the voice of everybody else who has a criticism about what you will do will make you depressed and discouraged and fearful and worried. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. I mean, good Lord, just turn on social media. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. You can't even share your own post before someone hijacks your post. I'm like, good Lord, I was just sharing my opinion. Can I share my opinion? No. Hijack my post. You all know what I'm talking about. Everybody's got an opinion. So are you going to listen to everybody else's opinion or are you going to listen to the voice of the Lord? That doesn't mean that we're not teachable. Doesn't mean that we don't learn from what others have to say. There's counsel and wisdom in the voice of others. But that's not going to control and determine my destination. I, you know, thank you for your opinion. I will put it in the Tupperware bowl and I will set it up on the shelf. And if I ever need to refer back to that, I'll pull it off the shelf and I'll get it out of the Tupperware bowl. Thank you. But until then, if it's not producing fruit in my life immediately, then I don't need it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a seed in the ground. And when God's ready for that to produce fruit, if ever, I'll get it out. God determines our successes and our failures. The other way we do this, very commonly, is if we disciple someone and they don't look like Jesus tomorrow. First, consider who's discipling them. So it's okay if they don't look like Jesus tomorrow, okay? <laughs> Secondly, Jesus did not call you to make them look like him. That's his job. He said, go and make disciples teaching. It's up to him whether they transform or not. From glory to glory. He's the transformer. We're the teaching. We're the mouthpiece. We're the hands and feet. Jesus does the work in them. If all they see is me... Another good point about this, if all that person who you're discipling sees is you, they will never change. Beholding him, beholding his glory 
we are transformed. So our job is really to get out of the way. It's to speak hope. It's to speak life. It's to sow the seeds. It's to, it's to use the Word of God and bring correction and exhortation. And that's all part of teaching. That's all part of discipleship, right? But then it's up to God how that seed and that Word transform their life. So you're not their Savior. I've watched people and I've thought so many times, this is, I feel people getting liberated this morning, so I'm just going to hang out on this for a moment. But I've watched people before that I've discipled and just go off the deep end and I've thought, Lord, that's not even, I don't even know where that comes from. I've never even, I've never even thought or gone near that or whatever. I've not, Lord, how did I miss it? Ever said that before? How did I not see that one coming? I should have been aware of that. I should have picked up on that. I should have, Right? I mean, after all, I'm the disciple, or I should have picked up on that. <laughs> God, why didn't you tell me that was going on? And we try to do the job of the Holy Spirit versus allowing the Holy Spirit to do His job. I'm convinced that, that if we we'll allow the Holy Spirit to do His job, He's been doing it for a really long time. <laughs> He's very successful at conviction and changing and transforming. It doesn't mean that we don't preach the truth. Absolutely, we preach the truth. Absolutely, we, we teach everything that's in the Word of God. We teach it. It's available. It's active. It's living. It's for you. Yeah. You know, I've had people say to me before, well, I just don't think you should teach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit because there's people in the church who aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm, how stupid can you be and still breathe? Do you want me to not... <laughs> Do you want me to not teach on salvation because there's people not born again in the church? It is available to you. It's my job to teach you. If you're convicted, it's the Holy Ghost. That's what you need. It's okay. It really is okay. If you get convicted, it's okay. If you get challenged, it's okay. If someone you're discipling is convicted and challenged and they don't talk for you, to you for a couple days because you told them that, that God wants them to live in holiness and you talk to them about, I'm not talking about judging. Remember, we've talked about the motives of the heart, but if you're sharing the word of God out of love and someone says to you, I'm not going to talk to you anymore, well, tough. I'm here when you decide to talk, but... Don't allow the opinions of others to determine your success or failure as you minister to them. If you are under the covering of the Lord and you are being discipled as you disciple others, you can have confidence. As you humble yourself before the Lord, you can have confidence with men. As you humble yourself before God, you can have confidence with others. You don't have to worry about the opinions or what they say or they think or they don't think. You can have confidence with the Lord. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Positioning yourself properly before the Lord will position you where you need to be with others. Romans 12.6 it says, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And Paul goes on and, and talks about ministering and so on. 
And he talks about it, that we do it in proportion to the faith that's given to us. If God has called you, which he has, he's called you to go and make disciples. If he's called you to go and make disciples, he will equip you with the faith and the power, the equipment to get the job done. Amen. Operate within the faith that he's given you to do that. Don't operate in my faith. You know, I was funny. We were having a conversation this week in, in uh, ministers' meeting. One of the areas that, that God constantly challenges me in, is, and I, I hate confrontation. And I hate, I absolutely hate confrontation. I hate, I hate public speaking. I hate being in front of people. I hate all of it. Amen. It's like, you know, just not my cup of tea. And here, the Lord, this is what I'm called to. And, but the, you know, we were talking about in our staff meeting how, how we'll, we'll be in situations. And I'll just be sitting there talking about nothing. We'll just be talking. And the Lord will cause something to burp out. And I'll just say something. And, and, have, and I'll have no idea what I'm saying. And the other person just hit them square between the... And they'll, you know, it's one of those prophetic gifts and words of knowledge type gifts. I, I'm just clueless. I'm just talking. And there will be times where I'm sitting there doing that, and the Lord will just say, you need to bring up blah, 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 blah. Sometimes I'm just talking, and it comes out, and I'm like, oh, I should not have said that. I should not have said that. And it's just the, it's the thing that needs to poke somebody to get them to burp. It's the very thing that, you know, just pokes them to get them to burp out whatever they need to burp out. And then sometimes I'll be in situations where the Lord will say, you... This is going on in so-and-so's life. You need to address it. And I have to tell you, I hate those. I hate when the Holy Spirit does that. It drives me crazy. Because I'm like, I do not want to go tell somebody what you said, Lord, first off. Can't you talk to them? I mean, really? I don't need to deal with this. You've got this. And then he'll just keep at it. You need to go say something. Have you ever been there before? I hate those times. It drives me crazy. And so that's one of those areas in my life where the Lord just has to continually give me confidence to say and to be able to speak when he says speak. And I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, this is way out left field. And it's not ever, I believe me, it's not ever normal things. It's always things that are way out left field that's like, it could really be offensive if I was wrong. It's never simple stuff, you know? And, uh, but that's how the Lord works in me, and one of those areas that I have to operate within the faith that he's given me. You can't go do that if God's giving you the faith to not, if God's not giving you the faith to do that. If God's giving you the faith to go and lay hands on someone and encourage them and pray for them in their circumstance, then go do that. Operate within the level of faith that he's given you, and as you fulfill that, he will increase that faith for greater things. But if you can't, if you can't like Jeremiah said, if, the, if the, the, the men, if walking wearies you, then how are you going to run with the horses? If walking with the footmen wearies you, how are you going to run with the horses? And so the reality for us is true here that if, if we can't just operate in the level of faith where we're at, it might just be for some of you as simple as going up to someone and saying, hello, my name is, I believe God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Start there and watch your faith grow. 
But if you're on the other end where God is saying to me, go open your mouth and speak, then guess what I've got to do? I've got to open up my mouth and he's going to fill it with words. And if I don't do that, my faith will never grow and increase for greater things. I, you know, I, I've seen God provide time and time again. And so I know, you know, when it comes to stepping out in faith and say, we're going to start Night of Hope or we're going to launch out in the Hope Center. I can't tell you when we said that how many crazy looks. People are, okay, we're going to we'll see how this goes. How are we going to do this? And we did. And God is, it's exploding and God is blessing. I mean, Wednesday night was phenomenal at Night of Hope. Yeah. It was phenomenal. And what's so, what blesses me about Night of Hope is watching people operate within the faith that God's given them. God's given them, like the Keefs, God's given them faith to run that Hot Meals. I have no faith for that Hot Meals area, or the, the grocery area. I have no, no faith for groceries. I don't know how they do that. They had a hundred-something families go through that thing. How do you, that's, you just, on average, three people for, per family, three meals a day for a week or whatever, three days that we do, and all, that's a lot of food. And they have restrictions from me on how much they can spend to get all that food. I don't have the faith for that, and I'm the one setting the restrictions. I don't know how it happens. I really, I don't. I don't know how it happens. I, I just know that we always have food and I never get bills. I don't know how that works. You know, we occasionally have a bill come through for money that we owe, but, but I don't know how that works. I don't know how it works. We, 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 needed, we needed personal care products, you know, household goods. And I just felt this woman needed household goods. And I just thought I was impressed on the Lord that we needed to give her her household items. We didn't have household items, but I just felt impressed that this, we get asked for stuff all the time. Let me just set the stage here. We get asked for stuff all the time. And most of the time we say no, but there is an occasional situation where someone will ask for something and or Mandy and I or my wife, someone, one of our area leaders will just feel impressed of the Lord that it has to happen. And, and that's not, not all the time, but this was one of, it was simple. Household, you know, sh soap and, and shampoo and, and toilet paper and toothbrush, all those things. Like, but I just felt, we didn't have it here. I just felt impressed we were going to do it though. I had faith. So I went to Manny and said, we're going to do this. I'm going to send somebody to the store, and we're going to get it. And, you know, simple fix, right? That was really operating by faith, Pastor. You're just going to send them to the store, and you're going to get it. Well, that's, that's how I would have done it, right? And then out of the blue, Tim says, well, why don't you ask Justin Mackey? His wife has a whole grocery store in her basement. She's probably got everything you need. For those that don't know, Jessica is an extreme couponer. So, like, extreme. So, I'm like, oh, well, that's a great... So, faith, and lo and behold, simple thing, okay? Follow this train of thought. Simple thing. Holy Spirit, impressing on me that we need to do this. This is simple, simple stuff. And so, I say to Justin, hey, do you think that y'all can do this? And his face lit up. He lit up. He said, my wife and I have been talking about how we can do this. We've been talking about how we could start doing and providing out of our overflow the, the personal care items and household items for Night of Hope. He's, I'm like, faith, just operate within the level of simple stuff.
Simple stuff. And that, that woman was blessed. It was awesome. She got blessed. But we got the bigger blessing. We walked away from that saying, hey, I know how we're going to do this now. I know how we're going to provide. I know where this blessing's coming from. I know where the resources are. Provision always follows vision. I know, I know where the resources are coming from to fulfill what God's called us to do. Amen. Amen. So operate within the level of faith that God's given you. God is always evaluating. He is the evaluator of our ministry. And let me, let me just connect the dots as we wrap up today. As you, as you spend time privately with him, and he's evaluating, he's the one that's judging and changing you and speaking to you, you can rest assured that you're in the right place if you're in that private time with him. It all goes back. Everything we do in ministry has to begin and end and continue with our private time with the Lord. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.